0: Good worship. This is, it's just getting better every single night. It's beautiful, and thank you so much for it all. Um, In the evenings, we're talking about God's will. Last night, we talked about God's will of decree. What he says will happen happens because he said it, because he is just that kind of a God. And today, we're talking about God's will of desire, what God overwhelmingly wants for us. I made the comment last night that God is a God who opens doors. He is in the opening door business. And one of the things that happens when you open a door is that you become connected with people. Now, I don't know how it is here in Australia, but in the United States, we have roving bands of people who sell things that come to your front door. And all you have to do, all you have to do to keep these people away from your door is simply have a little sign that says, no solicitors. Sillicizers means something else here, doesn't it? Well, it means sellers, things, whatever, whatever. Um, Anyway, that's all you need on your house. In 20 years, my wife and I have never sorted that out. We've never been able to put that little sign up so people won't come to our door. So one night, a man came to our door. He knocked on our door. My wife opened the door. I'm always like, "Don't don't open the door. If it's at night, there's nothing good. We don't want anyone to come to our house at night ever. So she opens the door, and the guy says can I tell you a little bit about this product that I'm selling? And I'm in the back going, no, you can't. And my wife goes, well, what is it? And he says, it's a vacuum, a vacuum cleaner. And she says, I need a vacuum cleaner. And I thought, oh no. (laughs) So for the next three hours, I got a demonstration. We connected with this guy. He came in our house and he began to teach us about this vacuum cleaner that was amazing and Truly, it was amazing. It was truly amazing because it cost $3,800. That's ridiculous. So I'm sitting through this whole thing, just trying not to be annoyed. First of all, at him. Second of all, at my wife. And, um, you know, and he's, he's showing us. And it's interesting. Vacuum cleaner salesmen are very interesting. And I've learned this to be a bit of a metaphor in my life. If you're a good vacuum cleaner salesman, you bring some dirt in the house so that you can show them how you can pick it up. Have you ever heard preachers who talk about how horrible you are? They bring a little dirt in the house so they can show you how to clean it up. That's a little tip. That's free. You didn't even pay for that. And by the way, the thing with the tabs, that's amazing. I never even heard about that, but offended that you would say, ladies, this is for you because I need the tabs in my life. It changed it all. So anyway, this guy says... I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Anyway, this guy says, it's $3,800. And I'm like, no. And he goes, okay, for you, special deal. It's $1,900. I'm like, you just dropped half the cost. And then, then, my youngest, Isaac, still in diapers, comes walking through, and he goes, oh, you have children. Don't you want your children to be safe and clean? And I said... You've got 30 seconds. Get out of my house. God is a God of open doors, and when doors open, people connect. Most of the time, that's a good thing, not all the time. There is an importance to connection. God's will of desire is simply this, that we be most deeply connected to him and most deeply connected to one another. It's a simple, simple theme. And I think that God works thematically throughout scripture. He works in a way that we can see him re-re- reinvesting in this idea of connection. Because the truth is that we are the most human when we are the most connected. Now, it used to be that it was hard to connect with people. I used to spend my summers in Israel with my father, and he would um, do archaeology. So it would be three or four months at a time that we'd be gone away from the rest of the family. And normally, this was back in the day, like when phones, you had to turn that dial, and you go... It took forever. Nobody has that much time. You know, now you just say call so and so and it happens, but you... in fact on my email when I send from my phone, I say send from a rotary phone. And you'd be amazed how many times people email me back and go, How? <laughs> I never know what to say. But so we would call home. And um, normally my mom would pick up or my sister would pick up. But for three months this one particular summer, nobody was ever home. No one picked up the phone. And it was before answering machines. That's how old I am. Like, I'm 100 years old. And it was before answering machines. So we'd call. No answering machine would pick up. They wouldn't pick up the phone. Um, after a month, we started to get nervous. After two months, we were really nervous. We were calling other people to try and get in touch with them. And they say, no, no, no. They're, they're there. We see them. They're alive. Um, which was good. And... Um, <laughs> So by the third month, we were just freaking out because we couldn't get a hold of my mom and my sister. Um, So we fly home. We finally get home. We get to the house. We're like, hey, why didn't you ever pick up the phone? They're like, what are you talking about? Turns turns out the phone had been off the hook for three months. (laughs) Neither one of them noticed it. (laughs) My mom was like, it was just so quiet. It was so nice. See, but now that's not the case, right? Now we have these little things. Oh, I didn't bring mine up here. We have these little things called cell phones, right? And we can always be in touch with one another all the time. So we are the most connected that we've ever been as a human society, right? Wrong. There's something weird going on. In fact, this has changed the way we think. Those little cell phones that we hold in our hand have changed the way we think that there's actually words. And I saw this on the internet. So there's a few words I'd like to bring to our discussion tonight. The first one is the word selfish. This is the cocoon. This is an individual who continues talking or texting on their phone so as to be rude or inconsiderate of other people. Know anybody like that? Yes. If you don't, it's you. Um... (laughs) All right. The second word is this, an internest. This is the cocoon of blankets and pillows you gather around yourself while spending time, long periods of time on the Internet. Anybody familiar with that? Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, this is another one that I think the Internet has just brought, brought just so profoundly into our life. It's called unlightening, and this is learning something that makes you dumber, 90% of what you watch on the internet is unlightening. This is the worst one, text expectation. The anticipation felt when waiting for a response to a text. Yeah, we all know that. Especially if you have an Apple product and it's those three little dots that just keep going. You're like, "What are you? What are you doing?" Are you typing? Are you looking at it? What are you doing? The best thing you can do is find that GIF on the internet and send it to somebody. Because if they get it, it just does that. And they're like, what's well, a three days later I'm getting texts like, seriously, are you still looking at the text I sent you? <laughs> oh, expectations. That's so good. Now, what's weird is that we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're also, studies show, more alone than we've ever been. Sherry Turtle Tuttle, actually, in her TED Talk said this, over the past 15 years, I've studied technologies of mobile communication and I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, young and old, and their plugged in lives. And what I found is that our little devices, those little devices in our pockets are so psychologically powerful that they don't change what we do. They don't just change what we do. They change who we are. Some of the things we do now with our devices are things that only a few years ago we would have found odd or disturbing, but they're quickly become—they've um, quickly come to seem familiar. Just how we do things. I sit on a lot of board meetings for Habitat for Humanity and for a credit union in the area and a bunch of different boards, and people are constantly on their phones. I teach, and students are constantly on their phones. People during church are constantly on their phones, always looking up texts, I'm sure. People talk about the important, this is weird, people talk about the important new skill of making eye contact when they text. Have you ever seen somebody do that? That's creepy. Right? You're like, are you writing Are you writing down what you're saying to me? And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm just letting them know. That's texting. It's amazing. I saw somebody one time doing it in their pocket. Just, I was like, what's, What's going on? He's looking at me square in the eyes like like I don't We are getting used to a new way of being alone together. And you see it. You see it with four people sitting around a picnic table, no one talking to each other, all connecting somewhere else. Now, connection is good, and I think technology can connect us. But as we have come, it seems that we are, as we come to expect more from our technology, we're becoming to expect less and less from the people around us. You see, technology changes the way we think because technology allows us to edit, delete, and to add and clean up our lives. We've all seen it. We've seen the fun our friends are having, and we've been so upset that we're not having that fun. I have a family. We travel around the world, and I love posting pictures of us having an amazing time because people are like, you're such a good parent. You are having so much fun. It's amazing, but what people don't see are the three minutes before we took that picture when everyone's getting threatened within an inch of their life to stand in the right way. Right? Stand over there. No, get over there. Stop it. Stop. Don't touch your brother. Stop it. What are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you going? Get back over here. Stop it. Okay, quick. And everyone's like, they're amazing. And we say, yes, we are. (laughs) Because that's how much fun we have. We are picture ready all the time no matter what. But that's not the reality that we have. You see, we long for connection, but we're people who fear intimacy and we seem to be able to step back from intimacy through this quasi-connection that we have. So the question is, are we expecting more from our technology and are we expecting less from one another? Are we a mile wide and an inch deep? Have we forgotten what it means to have the deep connections and to live deeply with one another? Douglas Carr, in his book, The Shallows, talking about what the internet is doing to the way that we think, says, once I was a scuba diver in a sea of words, now I zip along the surface like a guy on the jet ski. It's a weird world we live in. God wants us to be more connected with him and more connected with one another. This is the provenience of grace, God coming first in all the Old Testament covenants. God coming to people and saying, hey, you know, can we get back together? And us as human beings saying, yeah, we can do that. That's awesome. Let's do that. And so God makes this covenant, all the different covenants with Noah, with Moses, with Abraham, again and again. He makes these covenants and it's always God coming to us. It's never us coming to him. God coming to a foolish group of people who will ultimately cheat on him again, but he comes back. The Old Testament is, that's the theme of it. God moving first to be in close proximity to those around him. And see, the thing is, and and Jesus said this so well in the book of Mark, Mark 3, 34 and 35. He says this, then he looked around at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. God has a, he's a God of proximity. He wants to open doors and bring people into him. Not even friends, but family. That's why I love Pastor Eddie Hippolyte. Because when you, when Pastor Eddie Hippolyte loves you, you're family. The first time I got a text from him, he said, hey, bruv, BRUV. I'm like, I, what is that? <laughs> Brother? <laughs> now, I'm American, so he says it, and it sounds better. But when I say, hey, bruv, <laughs> bruv. It's like when I say arvo. I, I love arvo. That's the best thing that you've given us to the English language. I mean, lots of other weird things from Australia, but arvo is the best. I love texting that. Hey, I'll see you this arvo. Americans don't know what to do. They're like, "Where is that?" And I'm like, "You'll know when you get there." Right. It's the best. But with Eddie, man, you're not just friends, you're family. And your family kind of immediately. I remember the first time he hugged me, it scared me half to death. I was in Finland in an airport. He comes walking up. I didn't even know who he was. I didn't walk up. And he goes, "Oi, You Tim?" Maybe? Who are, who are you? Big hug. Hey, bruv, I love you. I don't know you. But I love you, too. Because you have to, right? You're family. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be so connected that we're family. This is my mother and my brothers. Now you, and when, whoever does the will of God, now you're a brother and a sister of mine. Closer. Proximity intimacy, that's what God is calling us to. Again and again, and he says it again in John 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. I love it. Bringing us closer into relationship with him. And in Ephesians, it's repeated again, for he himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the Christ, thereby killing the hostility. It is not that God wants you to be a perfect commandment keeper. It is that he wants you to be a brother and sister of his. And in doing so, the commandments become easy to keep. God wants to break down what is separating us from one another and what is separating us from him, just like we spoke of on Monday and Monday night and Tuesday and tonight. One of my best friends had his wife die in November. You may have seen it. It probably, he was here last time I was here, Chris Pico. And he had a, um, he had a video go viral of him singing the song Blackbird by the Beatles. I was standing there while he was singing it. What people didn't see is that right after that, he started singing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus to his 23-week-old premature son, who they literally had to cut out of his wife as she died. I was done then. At his memorial service, I, I was struggling with what to say. What do you, what do you say, to a guy who's been married eight years and they're just about to have their first child. His wife dies. He comes home from worship practice, leading worship. He comes home and he hears her talk in her sleep. He thinks. And he walks over to her and he says, honey, you need to put your leg on the bed. And he lifts it up and she doesn't make a noise and he realizes something is wrong and he turns on the light and his wife is blue. And he calls the paramedics, and they show up. They work on his wife for 45 minutes, eviscerate her to get his son out. I was there when they told him, your wife's dead. I anointed his son as he died in Chris's arms. And now I'm supposed to stand up and talk about what? How good God is? How this is part of his plan or his will. I don't, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. And so I was reading through scripture, trying to find something that made any sense at all. Something about reconnecting. And I went to Revelation 21. Where John the Revelator says, And behold, I see a new earth and a new heaven. And then he has this little phrase, and he says, And there is no more sea. And I stopped there and dwelt on that. John the Revelator was writing from an island where he had been exiled. And everywhere he turned, there was water that was separating him from everyone he loved and certainly the the process of the exile must have been something that felt like it separated him from god as well and so he writes in this capstone text in this phenomenal revelation of jesus christ and don't be confused the book of revelation is not a book about you the book of revelation is a book about the revelation of jesus christ in the world and if somebody uses it to put you somewhere in history they're using it wrong it is an apocalyptic work of literature And in it, John the Revelator says, there is no more sea. And what I think he means by that is that I'm not going to be separated anymore from the people I love and from the God who loves me. One word in scripture for God's will of desire. Reconciliation. What we lost in Eden. He has been working to restore. Every moment, sense. His will of decree, what he says happens. His will of desire is that at some point in your life you will seek him out. At some point, you will say, Lord, I want to be reconciled to you. What should I do? He wants to create this world where there's no separation. There's nothing that takes us away from him, it is all bringing us back in the tractor beam of God's love. This is what he wants. This is all he wants. But we go about our lives busying ourselves with everything that doesn't matter, forgetting the one thing that does, That God wants to be in close proximity to you. He wants to be intimately with you. Have you ever thought about the Trinity? In just a couple more minutes, if you can stay with me. The Trinity is God transcendent. This God that speaks the heavens into place, throws earth and stars around, makes universes by an exhalation of words. That's God transcendent. But he knew that he was too far away. And so he creates a human being. He becomes a human being. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully divine. That proximity of transcendency is too far away. So he shows up here next to me as a person, human, in the flesh. Incarnate is the word that we use. God, universal, now God, particular. Right here. And at the end of this ministry, he said, "It's not close enough. I will send to you a counselor who will work in your heart from transcendency to proximity to intimacy. This is what the Trinity is. God moving closer as to be reconciled as to be one. This is God's will of desire for us. This is God's will of desire for you. He is relentlessly coming for you. And it's so good. It's so good. Don't be distracted by the texts and the Snapchats and the Facebook posts and the Instagrams. Seek him because he is already seeking you.